1: Here's what's cooking on the day's sports stove podcast. It is our big 10 preview show and we're going to be joined by Indiana head football coach, Tom Allen. That and more. That's what's cooking on the day's sports stove podcast. From belly up sports and the belly up podcast network, you're listening to the sports stove podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hello and welcome to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. Today we are previewing the Big Ten and we're kicking off our uh, college football preview series that we'll be doing. We're going to go through each of the Power Five conferences. We're going to talk about some other teams uh, and other episodes as well. But today our focus is purely on the Big Ten. Joining me as he does most of the time is my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, uh, football season's almost here. How you feeling today?
0: Good, good. It's exciting. Like I said, sports keeps heating up here every week. We're getting closer to football season, second half of the baseball season coming up. Uh, a couple of hockey drafts this week, and the Bucks. I assume will wrap things up one game earlier than I predicted.
1: Oh my goodness! All right. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares about hockey. Only some people care about basketball. We all care about football. We do. And, we do. Uh, <laughs> And dad is, of course, uh, on location in Big Ten country, smack dab between uh, Bloomington, Indiana, Columbus, Ohio, and Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, there in southwestern Ohio. So he hears all the important stuff there uh, as well. I am down in SEC country, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, as well. So uh, we're going to talk about each time when we come into these uh, college football preview episodes where we're previewing conferences uh, we're going to start off with uh, giving a tier system for the conference. And so we've got five tiers set up. The first tier is national championship contenders. Those who can contend this year for a national championship. Then the second tier is the conference championship contenders. People who may not uh, are, are good enough to compete for the national championship, but with one lucky turn, Maybe they could compete for the conference championship. Then tier three is those who could be contenders within the next five years. Basically saying the program's headed the right direction or could be with one higher change or whatever it may be there. Then tier four is those who maybe one day will be a contender. And then tier number five, we call the Vanderbilt tier. And this means uh, a team that is like Vanderbilt, not academically, but athletically, uh, meaning the bottom Of the barrel. So that's our five tiers. So, Dad, let's start at the top tier, tier number one. By the way, we've got Tom Allen going to be joining us. Uh, the interview with Tom Allen, we'll get to that in about five to seven minutes. We'll be, we'll be talking to Tom Allen. Uh, but we're going to go through these tier systems first. So, Dad, tier number one, uh, what teams do you have in tier one, the national championship contenders?
0: Well, obviously, Ohio State is the main team in the conference and it should contend. For the national title, I don't think there's any doubt about that talent-wise, and a lot of reasons there. I think um, a possible one would be Wisconsin. Wisconsin sometimes doesn't live up to ever all their potential, but they have talent. And again, um, with the system being the way it is, if the only game you know they lost was a Big Ten championship, you know they could have a shot. So uh, that's the two teams I have in the national championship. All
1: right, so I've only got one team in tier number one. That's the Ohio State Buckeyes for this year. I think they're the one team uh, that makes the most sense, the team that I don't question has the ability to make the national championship. Tier number two. Conference championship contenders. I've got Wisconsin in that tier. Uh, You've got them up in tier one. I only got two teams in tier two. My second team is Indiana. We're going to talk about that a lot more here in the rest of the episode. But those are the only two teams I have for this year that I think can really contend for the conference championship along with Ohio State. What do you have in tier number two?
0: Well, I have Indiana also because I think they could be very talented there. I think Penn State. Uh, I'm not a Penn State fan, but um, <laughs> they're very, very talented. Again, I'm not a fan of their coach, um, but he obviously, um, you know, I think Penn State has a lot of talent there. They've underachieved the last couple of years. They'd be a possibility. Uh, Iowa, again, they've had some turmoil there, so I don't know. But, again, they're in the West, and that makes a difference. And the other team that, um, you know, did well last year, and um, I think returns a lot of people as Northwestern. Um, I wouldn't say they'll win the conference, but as far as contending, um, that's the teams I have in there. Um, All right.
1: So you've got Indiana, Northwestern, Iowa, and Penn State as your yes. tier two teams. All right. So I've got Ohio state one and tier one. I've got Wisconsin, and Indiana and in tier two. You've got Ohio state and Wisconsin and tier one. And then those teams in tier two, tier number three is those that could be contenders within five years. Uh, so go ahead and give me your tier number three.
0: Uh, the ones that be contenders in five years, probably the top of the line is Minnesota. Um, they've been good. Some people think they'll do real well this year, but I think they've been able to be a contender lately. Um, again, I'm not a fan, but uh, Michigan can only stay down so long. We talk five years. They'll have a new coach in five years, and that may make all the difference there. Um, I think Nebraska, the same way, there's too much history there. Um, either the coach will make it this year or they'll get a new coach, and um, I you, know, you just can't see Nebraska always being at the bottom. Michigan State, um, I always think college football, um, a lot of it depends what state you're in and how well you can recruit in your state. If you're in a state where there's a lot of talent, and in Michigan, you know, if Michigan and Michigan State can be successful there, I can't see Michigan State staying that low. And then the other one is Illinois. Um, Illinois's got a good coach, Brett Bielema, and in five years, again, he's they're in a state where they get the kids out of Chicago. They get a few of the kids down by St. Louis. And When you're talking five years, I think he'll make a big jump. Um, national championship contenders in five years, no. Being relevant, yes. No, probably okay. not this year. All
1: right, so we are vastly different on our tiers for sure. Tier three for me, I got Penn State uh, in tier number three. Michigan, Iowa, Northwestern. We'll talk about all these teams after the Tom Allen interview, and I'll explain my reasonings for it. Michigan State, I've got in tier number three, and then Purdue is the other team I've got in uh, tier number three as well, and I'll give you those reasons once we get into the, the teams. Tier number four is the guys that maybe one day will be able to contend for a conference championship, be relevant in the conference. Uh, who do you have in tier number four?
0: I have Maryland and Purdue.
1: Okay, Maryland and Purdue in tier number 4. And by the way, if you're watching, feel free to comment uh your tiers here uh for the Big 10. Uh tier number 4 contenders, one day maybe. I've got Rutgers, I've got Minnesota, I've got Maryland and Nebraska. Uh and I I don't want to get too much into it now. We'll talk about it uh later on uh, in the program. But uh, Rutgers coaching, I think, is going to help them get back to relevancy. Minnesota has that potential. Um, Maryland, you know, they've they've tried to make some strides, and we'll see if they'll be able to. Nebraska is one of those teams you got to think eventually is going to come back around. Uh, like you mentioned, you had them in Tier 3. I'm not there yet. That means that we're down to Tier 5. Both of us have one team in Tier 5, and it's a different team. Tier 5 is the Vanderbilt tier, uh, not academically, but athletically Vanderbilt, meaning the bottom of the barrel in the conference uh, and will be that way for quite some time. Who do you have in tier number five?
0: Well, in their football is Rutgers, I think. I think Rutgers will be that way. I don't think they'll be able to compete well in football with the rest of the teams in the conference. I think they've been a good addition to the conference in other sports, and I think they've been competitive in some other sports, but I just don't see it a Ruggers football team for a long time being a factor.
1: Interesting. All right. Uh, my Vanderbilt tier five team, bottom of the barrels, Illinois. Uh, we'll talk about it when we talk about them in the, uh, the whole uh, deal with everything. But at this point, Illinois, everything you read from last year, by the way, if you go back, I know we, there's coaching changes and those kinds of things. But um, every team had their best week against Illinois last year. And you go to the SEC – uh, every team has their best week against Vanderbilt. So uh, that's where I put Illinois in at there. We're getting ready to interview Tom Allen, bring that interview up for you in just a moment. We did do a poll on Twitter. We'll be doing this each week when we're doing our uh, conference uh, previews, football previews. We asked who was going to win the Big Ten. We had Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, or other. 63% of the audience said Ohio State. 17% said Penn State. 13% said Wisconsin. 7% came in with other. If you're watching, tell us who do you think is going to win the Big Ten this year in football. Now it's going to be time for us to get into our interview with Tom Allen. If you're watching live, we're going to get right into that. If you're listening to the podcast version of this uh, later on, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you will see the one and only Tom Allen from Indiana Hoosiers football. We are joined now by the Yeti Cooler Than You guest, brought to you by Yeti Coolers. Last year's Big Ten Coach of the Year, the one and only Coach Tom Allen. Hey,
2: Coach, how you doing? I'm doing good, Vance, buddy. Good to be on the show
1: again. Well, thank you for being on again. We surely appreciate it. And uh, I want to start off with the season that's upcoming. Uh, when I look at teams, so we're getting we to doing our Big Ten Preview uh, podcast. And when I look at teams, I'm looking at uh schedule I'm looking at coach and I'm looking at quarterback and uh, so my first question to you is about the quarterback last year Pennix had a great year uh got injured Tuttle came in played well as well is there a quarterback controversy or are you guys pretty set at quarterback this year
2: no there's not yeah we're set you know Mike's the starter and and Jack's is the backup but uh you know Jack has worked extremely hard he showed last year he can come in there and when it's a Big Ten football game, you know, and uh, so it's great to have two. You, you need them. Going to need them both for sure. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Michael's uh, um, been working extremely hard to get back, and uh, he's on schedule to be uh, be the starter on September fourth. So that's the that's the good news. But uh, yeah, you uh, at this level, we don't think I've ever had a season where I haven't played more than one quarterback. So that's kind of how how it works, and and uh, that's okay though. But I'm just really proud of Jack. He's done an awesome job as well.
1: Yeah, it was incredible because last year a lot of people thought once Michael went down, everybody thought, "Well, the season's done." And uh, but he came in, Tuttle came in, and and finished the eyes off really well. Uh, there, you talked about the start of the season. You guys start off with a conference opponent in Iowa uh, before you get into some non-conference games. So you guys are kind of kicking it off pretty early with a pretty talented team. Uh, so going into that, uh, these final as you're preparing now for the season and everything. Um, kicking off against a conference opponent, how does that, um, well, I guess it wouldn't change your, your, uh, preparation, but how does that kind of get you going early on without as opposed to playing a cupcake game to get started?
2: You know, it's, uh, different for sure. In, in a good way though, this is going to be the third time since I've been head coach here that we've started the season with a conference opponent. And, uh, I think it creates a sense of urgency in your team in the off season, uh, that, uh is very, very positive for sure. Uh, but it's uh, you know it's 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 kind of a dual effect. It's a great opportunity wrapped up in a great challenge, you know. And and so I I know that will be the case here, going to Iowa City to play the Hawkeyes. And Coach Farron has done such a great job building that program and been a part of it for so long. He's just such a mainstay in the Big Ten. And and uh, they're you know based on who you talk to, they're picked to win the picked to win the West. Either they or uh, Wisconsin seems to be the two top ones at this point. So uh, and rightly so, you know they got a lot of talent coming back. And uh, always play great defense. Got a talented young quarterback that's uh, um, done a great job. It's going to keep getting better as as you would always expect as the kid grows and matures. And and uh, talented running back, one of the best in the Big Ten. So it's uh, an old lines there. It's kind of their what they've done well for so long, developing. And then you got tight ends that they're so famous for. So you know, last time we played them, I mean, it was uh, it was a tough tough day at the office for the Hoosiers. So uh, we know how good these guys are. So it's a great opportunity for us to start the season in, in Iowa City.
1: You know, you mentioned the expectations for Iowa this year, and that brings me to expectations for Indiana. I thought going into the offseason, you know, high expectations for the Hoosiers after the season you guys had last year. And then as I was studying, preparing for our Big Ten preview, I was surprised to see what I consider to be low expectations for your team this year. Most people have your win total at 7.5, and and I was really surprised by that. And my original question was always going to be, well, how are you guys going to manage – higher expectations from the outside this year. The reality is, is it's not as high as I thought it would be. So is there, is there any, I guess, bulletin board material you can pull off of that? Maybe extra motivation, underdog motivation, stuff like that, that you're giving to your team this year?
2: Well, you know, it's kind of unique how you choose to use those kinds of things. You know, we have high expectations for ourselves. We had them last year. We have them again this year. And, and so you know that's really what we focus on. You know, the bottom line is, is, you know, we control – uh, how we think we control the way we prepare, we control the way that we perform on game day. So we have to be able to be, you know, totally focused on that, you know, and then I'll, I'll pick and choose and use things as they, as they come out. You know, I haven't paid a lot of attention to some of that stuff at this point. Uh, as far as those win total, whoever, I mean, that's, that's everybody's just their thoughts and opinions, you know, so doesn't really have any bearing whatsoever on the outcome. So bottom line is, is I feel like that this is a, uh, a talented football team. That uh, that believes, and, and now we're trying to take that belief to another level of expecting to be able to to come out on top in these big games. And obviously, we got a whole schedule full of them. You know, we got uh, you know a great conference. You know, we're always going to be top ten most difficult schedules in the country based on the division that we play in. And then you mix in a Cincinnati team that's coming as a non-conference opponent that's going to be top ten in the country when we play them. Is already top ten right now. And uh, Coach Fickle's done a phenomenal job there with that program. So you know you got a great, great slate, and so that's the cool part about this. We got a great opportunity because of our schedule to prove who we are, and that's what we got to do every single week.
1: That's and you're exactly right because you look at some of the teams that that in the past have not had a, a history of of a lot of success in football. They have one season that surprises everyone. The next thing you know, they kind of go back down to the the what people are used to. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. So around here, we're pretty used to four to six wins, but uh, <laughs> uh, nonetheless, with that, you guys are returning a lot of really talented players this year. You did lose some guys to the draft, uh, but you've returning uh, your wide receiver core is absolutely stacked. Uh, returning a quarterback, got some good defensive guys back as well. You also guys brought in some transfers uh, to kind of fill out the roster as well. So what are your expectations with the new guys, or how do you bring them in and incorporate them into your guys' philosophy of doing things, and how is that process going so far?
2: Well, I tell you, I think it's been very positive. You know, it's very important to me that we bring in guys that fit with us, whether they come straight from high school or they come from another school. That's been a huge priority. That's not going to change. That's the the culture I believe in here and and finding guys that fit that, that want that, that that have that uh, alignment with us. And so that's what we try to do in the transfer portal. And so finding guys that we already knew, you know, either by previous, you know, relationships or, you know, for for a whole variety of reasons that that come up with those ability for us to know who these young men are. And so then you bring them here and then you, you know, like I say, you know, culture to me, the definition of it is, you know, what, what do you feel pressure to do when you come be a part of, of, of Indiana football. And so those guys were brought here. They came in and then they adapted to the expectations and the pressures that they're built in now. You know, our guys now know, hey, this is how we do it in Indiana. This is how we lift weights. This is how we practice. This is how we watch film. This is how we handle ourselves away from the facility and, and how we act. And so to me that now our players are, you know, they're showing their teammates when we bring guys here, well, like you said, no matter where they come from, see this is how we do it here at IU so I I, I like the way they fit in and uh, mesh with us and they've had a chance to be here at least all summer some of them even during the second semester so uh, I, I like their uh, the talents that they brought to our program as well as the the fit that they bring and so to me you know they just got to come in and they got to earn it you know they got to earn playing time they got to earn opportunities and when they get those opportunities they got to seize those and they got to make plays and and that's what uh the charge we gave them when they came here and we don't promise anybody a starting position or a certain amount of playing time that all has to be earned once you get here. So, uh, but at the same time, they can look at the depth chart and kind of figure out where things might be and how they feel like it gives them the best chance and and per the fit of the system schematically to help them maximize their skills and where they can show, you know, how special they are on the football field. So I'm looking forward to these guys coming here and, and just making this football team better.
1: Coaching or leadership as a whole is always about making adjustments. Uh, one of the new things that came in this year was the name, image, and likeness. Um, what are you guys doing to help your players, not necessarily earn um, income from that, but what are you guys doing to help kind of uh, help your players adjust to this change? Um, did you bring people in to, to kind of advise or what are you guys doing to help with that?
2: Well, first of all, yeah, I think you just got to understand the rules. And then right now, I think that's a big part of everybody's trying to sort through those and figure out what it's going to look like moving forward. But right now, what we do know is that uh, this is definitely change, you know, in a, an opportunity, I think, for the better of allowing young men to be able to benefit from, you know, their names and, and from their, you know, what they do on the field. That's what it comes down to. It's not market driven, you know, so you, you want somebody to, to put your name on something. You better have a a name worth putting out there right well how you act and how you live and how you how you perform on game day you know so that's uh that's a part of it i think is a neat part because that's just that's life you know it's Mm. that's the reality of when they leave here and go to have a a full-time job whether it's in the nfl or whether it's not you know that's that's part of uh you know your brand you know and people want to to be associated with those that that do things the right way on and off the field you know and so it gives us a chance to kind of just reinforce i think all the things that leo is all about to me which is you know just being about the team and being about what's what's best for the guys around me because when you do that you will benefit you know individually when the team is put first and the team does well individuals get recognized so it's no different in nil for me and so we've embraced it we've hired some outside an outside company to to partner with and they've done a great job of educating our players and that's the key word educate we can't mm-hmm. facilitate we can educate you know we can't go through and set things up for them and, and that's not really what we want to do anyways but but uh, they have that opportunity to do that so we want to support them in every way possible i think our university is doing a great job of, of linking in our alumni and educating them and then our business school which is one of the best in the country and our law school which is one of the top of the country so just a chance to really maximize indian university to help our players maximize this rule and the new opportunities that it, that it creates for them. So we're still trying to figure it out, you know, and I think our, the players are as well. And, and so I'm excited to grow with them in this new venture.
1: Two more questions for you, Coach. Thanks again for being with us. Um, you talked about character on and off the field. I know you're a man of faith. Uh, do you mind me asking how your faith impacts your philosophy of coaching, recruiting, any of those kinds of things?
2: Yeah, it's woven into everything. You know, you can't separate who you are. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't believe that. and I don't want to. You know, it it affects who I am as a father, who I am as a husband, in my family, leading them, and who I am as a leader of this program. You know, and don't shove it down people's throats. What I believe, but uh, I'm gonna live my life by those principles. And and so to me, leo's taken from Scripture, John 15:12. It's just really, it's just more about you know making life about something bigger than yourself. And for me, that's my faith in my family, you know, and I, and I challenge our guys, I meet with our guys individually. I want to know what they value, what they care about. And, and, uh, you know, I just want that I want to help them become the man they were created to be. And so that's important to me. And, uh, so I have a lot of principles I use, You know from my faith and and uh just live those out and and challenge guys that that care about that same thing to live that out in their life and help show them what does that look like on a daily basis and and to me it's it's the ultimate team is is a team that cares more about the people around them than themselves And, and that to me is what you know my faith in jesus christ is all about i mean he, he was a selfless individual you know, he mm-hmm. gave of himself for others and that's why he did what he did and lived the life that he lived and and, and died the way he died and, and then obviously proved that he overcame all that and so you know that that to me is what it's all about and uh you know we talk about not caring who gets credit why is that why because it's not about me and right. and that's how i want to live my life and i want to how i wanted to build this team and i think we've shown that when you do that you know because this is a team sport we had 130 players on this team that's a lot of guys You got to get together that they have to put their individual, you know, interest aside in some ways to do what's best for the team, you know, at the end of the day. And but the beauty of all that is, I believe when you do that, as we just mentioned a few minutes ago, that and the team does well, who gets recognized the individuals and uh, but it never works the opposite. You know, and that's why I just believe just that that team mindset, that togetherness, that family, that that sacrificial servant mindset that I want to have as the head coach. I want to serve these guys. I want them to learn to serve each other, serve our community. And they've been given a tremendous opportunity, just like I have. And too much is given, much is required. And so I I believe in that. And once again, another biblical principle that I apply to our program and to my life. And so I want to lead with those principles in the forefront.
1: One more question for you. It's actually about a former player. My family's big Packer fans. I was named after Vince Lombardi. I've got a son named Brett. My dad wanted me to ask you about Simon Stepanak, uh, offensive lineman. He was injured, so he didn't play last year. He wants to know what Packer fans can look forward when he gets healthy.
2: Well, i tell you what, Simon is one tough young man. I tell you, that's what you're going to get. He's physical, he's mean, he's nasty, he plays that. He's a gentleman off the field, but, man, on, on the field, he's just a tough guy. He really is. He's going to work extremely hard. You know, he's just a lunch pail type guy. You know, he's big and strong and plays hard, and he's a team guy. I mean, he was one of our key, I felt like, a catalyst on this team to help us create change in our program and during the 2019 season when we really started breaking through on the field and winning those close games that we had had not won in the past. And and he was a big part of that. And he was on our leadership council. And he cares. You know, he's gonna work hard, he's gonna represent you in the first class way. But the thing that just keeps coming back is his toughness. You know, he's just uh he plays that way, you know, and that's how you gotta play the you know, this game number one and then on the line of scrimmage on the offensive line. I tell you that's uh, great quality. And he's just you know, he's humble. He won't you won't, you won't hear much from him. You know, and, and, and except when he needs to step up and verbally say what he needs to say, but uh, great teammate, going to be a great leader there and a great player for the Packers.
1: Awesome, thank you, Coach. Sure appreciate you being thank on, you. Coach Tom Allen, Indiana Hoosiers football. We'll be tuning in uh, for sure this season and cheering on the Hoosiers. At least I will be here from Lexington, Kentucky. Thanks, Coach.
2: Appreciate that. Have an awesome day, LA. Thank you. That was Coach
1: Tom Allen. Indiana Hoosiers football program. sure appreciated him uh, jumping on with us. And uh, second time that Coach Allen's been on the program, very kind. Indiana University and their kindness. Uh, there are some universities, a.k.a. Virginia, not quite as nice as Indiana University when it comes to communication. So thank you uh, to, to Coach Allen and his staff. Coming on with us. And I think an exciting season ahead uh, for the Hoosiers. Dad, anything that stood out to you in that interview with Coach
0: Allen? Well, I think, like you said, leadership is important. And I think that's why Indiana can have success in the coming years. They have a leader. They have a leader that has principles. Um, they have a leader that knows uh, what wants to accomplish and uh, ways to do that. So um, from there, again, I you know he's handled himself well uh, both times he's been on the show here. And he did there the image and likeness. He did well with that. And um it is something that schools like Indiana has to figure out, and um, but again, you know, I, I think it'll be good for their players, and or, and he'll do what he can to help with that. And I think the key is that last or second to the last question you asked um, about his faith and how that affects. He's a consistent um, person, and that will make a difference if he can get um, people on his team to be consistent people. That will make a difference and you do that by example.
1: Yeah, the one thing that stuck out to me and I it didn't I didn't catch it while I was asking the questions, but he, you know, he said, Well, we don't pay attention, we don't really know about the win totals and what's being said, and it really doesn't matter anyways. But then he did mention that Iowa and Wisconsin are projected to have big seasons, and I it feels like maybe he's heard. A little bit about the uh, win totals this year, uh, nonetheless. We'll get to Indiana here in just a minute. We're going to move on now with our Big Ten preview. We're going to go uh, by division in the Big Ten. We're talking about each team, give you some quick thoughts on them, let you know how they're going to go this season. We're not going to agree on all of these, and that's fine. I'll be right. Uh, Dad will be wrong, but it's not that big of a deal. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to keep on moving here. Uh, again, thank you to Coach Tom Allen from Indiana. All right, Dad, we're going to look at the Big Ten East Division starting with them. We're going to start with, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, coached by Ryan Day. Ryan Day has a 32 and two record as the Ohio State football coach. They have redshirt freshman CJ Stroud as their quarterback this year. Uh, Ohio State is a team that reloads, right? They, They don't ever have to rebuild. They're always just reloading. Uh, they've done a great job. They have a loaded offense. I mean, in, in every capacity. A loaded offense and their defensive line is absolutely stacked this year as well. With each team, we're gonna look at the biggest question uh and where they need to improve from last year. But Dad, before I get to that with Ohio State, what are your thoughts on the Buckeyes?
0: Um, well, like I said I think they're you know, the the top of the conference from there, you're right. They just reload every year. They have a great running back, they've got a freshman kid in this year that could be as good as any of them they've had. Um, but Ohio State seems to have the luxury if someone does get hurt uh, or dinged up, you know the next guy up, maybe the next two guys up you know can play and are ready to play. Um, you need to be strong in the offensive line and they are very strong in the offensive line. you know wide receiver. Uh, the only question where you'll get to that would be quarterback, but um, they should just do well. From there, of course, a lot of pride up here in Ohio, a lot of excitement, um, and this stage, everyone expects them to win every game.
1: Yeah, so their win totals at eleven. Um, if you're, and again, you get different win totals at different sites and whatever, but more consistently, it's at eleven. Uh, I don't, I don't actually question C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Um, I kind of just have confidence. Ohio State's been able to roll with a lot of different quarterbacks. My biggest question for Ohio State this year is the run game. It's not to say I have a doubt in the run game, but the question is, is who's going to be the one that steps up? The name that comes up oftentimes is Master Teague. Uh, last year he carried it, carried it for 104 times, 514 yards and eight touchdowns. They're going to have multiple, uh, running backs running the ball at Ohio State this year, but running back production is going to be a big key because in order for the quarterback to have success, you got to have a run game. And so who will be the the guy that steps up there for Ohio State? Their needed improvement for this year is going to be their defensive backfield. Last year, they allowed 66% completion rate and uh, 7.7 yards per catch. Uh, so they were still good enough, uh, for the most part, but, uh, they need to improve in that area this year. The win total is at 11. That I've got it sitting right at 11 as well. I looked through the schedule. Uh, that that allows for a loss for Ohio State, but uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting at at this point. I think 11 wins is a good spot for them. Uh, next up in the Big Ten East is Penn State. They are coached by James Franklin. He has a 60 and 28 record at Penn State. Their quarterback is Sean Clifford. We'll talk about him more in just a moment. He's a redshirt junior. Last year, he completed 60% of his passes for 1,883 yards, 16 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. There's a lot of question marks about this Penn State team. Is their own line any good? That's a question. Pass rush, do they have any? Uh They lost important players and uh, could be in trouble there as well. Uh Dad, what are your thoughts on Penn State and Nittany Lions?
0: Um, again, I, I think they've been... Um, close, you know, it's, it's tough with Ohio State there. I think Penn State, you know, they underachieved last year, um, but I, I they have a lot of talent. Uh, their coach is always going to get talent. And, um, you know, I, again, I, I think they, you know, if somebody that's surprising comes up in the conference, it would be them. I'm not a Penn State fan, um, but I do think um, they are a team, obviously, whenever you play Penn State, you're going to have to be ready to go.
1: So their biggest question this year is quarterback. Uh, their quarterback in uh, Sean Clifford, they have no depth. They, they had guys transfer out. They've got nobody behind Clifford that has any experience or, honestly, any expectation either. So they're really, really weak there at quarterback. If Sean Clifford doesn't play well, Penn State's in a load of trouble. There needed improvement from last year's turnovers. They turned the ball over 17 times last year. They had, I believe, three games with multiple turnovers in them as well. Uh, if you don't protect the ball, you're not going to win games. The Penn State's projected win total is nine. I'm going to go seven this year. Looking at their, their schedule, I do not see Penn State getting to that nine win mark. Um, and personally, I, I originally put it at six. And I was like, there's no way. They're only going to win six games. So I bumped it up to seven uh, there. But I think Penn State's going to be a disappointment again this year. Maybe put them in the same category as Michigan. Uh, high expectations, never meeting them. That brings us to Michigan. And uh Jim Harbaugh, still the coach at Michigan after a lot of talk right after the season of whether or not he would be back. While at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is 49-22. and 22. Their quarterback is the junior, Cade McNamara. We'll talk about this in a moment. There is a transfer that could take his job. But last year, McNamara, on 71 attempts, he had 60% completion, 425 yards, five touchdowns, zero interception. This Michigan team, Dad, has a uh, maybe the best offensive line in college football this year. They've got a very, very good offensive line, which can lead to a lot of good things. What are your thoughts on uh, Michigan this year?
0: Well, uh, again, um, you know, if they have a great offensive line, then that's obviously going to help them. Um, but they're in a tough conference, and um, I don't know that they have, you know, I don't know that they have the mindset um, that you have to have there. The thing Ohio State's got going now, I think, and, and if the coach can keep it up, is the team concept. They want to win. They want Ohio State to win. Um, Michigan wants to win, but, you know, when they lose two games, that you know, they, I think they fall into this deal about if we can just win the last game of the year, then it'll be a successful season. And they haven't been able to win the last game of the year, but that's not going to win them a conference championship. They're going to have to be good and take care of people early and um, get their confidence built up. And I just don't see them doing that with the way the conference is this year.
1: It's a great point of what, how do you define success for your team? You know, in Kentucky, six wins is success and that's not good. I, I, I go off on the wildcat, uh, fan base because they get excited about making a bowl game. Who cares? Uh, we got to do better than that. Michigan, what do they get? What gets them excited? What is successful for them? Uh, biggest question for Michigan is the quarterback, Jim Harbaugh, who's supposed to be a quarterback guru. Has never had a quarterback succeed there for him in Michigan. They bring in Texas Tech transfer, Alan Bowman. Uh, he has some great stats, but he also has a lot of turnovers. So can he beat out McNamara? If he doesn't, is McNamara good enough to succeed for Michigan this year? Quarterback is the biggest question. As far as needed improvement goes, it's the defense. They were the third worst last year in the Big 10. And to be Michigan and be the third worst of anything in the Big Ten is not good. And so they've got to improve all around on their defense, pass rush, uh, turnovers, those sorts of things as well. Michigan's win total this year is at seven and a half. I don't see how they get to that this year either. I've got them at six wins uh here dropping below that seven and a half. Still being bowl eligible. Congratulations, Ann Arbor. But uh, that's kind of where that one ends. That brings us to the Indiana Hoosiers. We had Coach Tom Allen on. We got some clarification just to, to re- make sure we knew that Michael Penix is the starting quarterback. No question uh, there. Michael Penix last year, he played six games, 61.6% completion, 1,645 yards, 14 touchdowns, and four Interceptions. Tom Allen, while at Indiana, 24-22 and 22 as the head coach there, but obviously last year, a uh, massive improvement for them. They have an absolutely loaded wide receiver room at Indiana. They lose one player, one key wide receiver, but they bring back Freifogel and others. Uh, They're going to be really, really good at wide receiver this year. And they've got great quarterback room. When you've got two guys who have experience and they've both won, that's exciting for a team. So, with Penick starting, if something were to happen to him, Tuttle, they already have confidence that Tuttle can come in and win football games for him. So, that's good for them as well. Dad, what are your thoughts on Indiana for this coming season?
0: Well, I think Indiana, you know, could be very, very good again. The The problem Indiana will have is they, they won't sneak up on people. Uh, even with, you know, the lower win total, I don't think people are going to look past Indiana or they're going to try not to. So that'll be different. I think the key for them then will be the defense. They had a good defense last year. Their defense needs to be strong, um, and and that will put them in a position then to use the offensive weapons, and they'll get people down. Uh, if they can hold down and play people tough and hold them on defense, then all of a sudden they start, you know, again, you start thinking, oh, wait a minute here, what, you know, What's happening? Because again, Indiana could score. The key will be not you know to get um, outscored by some of these big teams. You get a couple of turnovers. I think they had a high turnover ratio on their defense last year, and um, you know they get turnovers, um, and and they can cash that in um, makes a makes a big difference. I think people are gonna try to try to get up for them. But, again, I think it'd be easy to look at it and still say, well, it's Indiana. And, um, you know, I think it, it, I think they could do very, very well. They're in a tough bracket. You know, there was Ohio State, no doubt about that. Um, but they'll have some games. Um, I think the most one of the most interesting games will be the opener. Uh, they have several good teams on the road. They go into Iowa City. They win there. That's going to change everything for them. And I think they could do that.
1: When you talk about people overlooking them, if they come in and dominate Iowa, there will be no overlooking Indiana the rest of the way. I don't think, I think you're right. I think that the conference respects what Indiana is and what they're becoming. So I don't think they get overlooked this year. Um, but I was really shocked to see that win total at seven and a half. That, that blew my mind. Uh, after the season they had last year, two different quarterbacks, um, what they, what they really did not lose uh, throughout this season they kept a lot of players uh, in the house they brought in some solid transfer guys as well the biggest question for indiana though is the pass rush uh, you look at the the pass rush last year um, they had lots of size they got lots of size this year too but they only had one guy that was really getting to the quarterback and that was jerome johnson he's gone uh, now, which means they lose what was their big pass rush last year. They bring in a transfer, Western Kramer, that should help up the middle. He's a tackle. Uh, James Head is the guy to watch at Indiana on defense. He's the key to their defense, and if he can get uh, to the quarterback, if the other guys can get to the quarterback, uh, it'll make a big difference and really help out a defense that was already, like you mentioned, a ball-hawking defense last year, an opportunity even even greater there. The needed improvement for Indiana is the run game. Uh there was there was they they weren't bad in the run game, but there wasn't a guy that just took over and was the clear the best situation for them. Uh this year they're gonna have a couple different guys get opportunities, and they need that run game to be consistent. They need the offensive line to help in that area as well for sure. The win total at seven and a half. I looked at the calendar, I looked at the schedule, I counted nine wins uh from this Indiana team, and I've got them finishing second behind Ohio State. And uh, they've got some tough games, but they've got a games that they should not lose with, I think, the exception of Ohio State. I put them at nine wins uh, this year. Uh, let's move on to Michigan State. We'll try to keep it moving for you. Uh, head coach Mel Tucker, two and five as a head coach at Michigan State. Their quarterback is the redshirt sophomore Peyton Thorne. He played four games last year. He threw 56.5% completions. 582 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Now they do have two very, very good wide receivers and an up and coming defense. They've got some transfers that are going to come in and be an immediate impact players for them. Uh, win totals at four and a half. You talked about Michigan state that they sh- ideally they're not going to stay down too much longer. Uh, but what are you, what is your outlook for them this season? Uh, we're going to have to take that off. He'll be right back with us to give us that uh, that thought uh, there. It's that time of day where his his uh, internet kind of gives out a little bit there. But we'll get him back on in just a second to talk to us about Michigan State again. Their win total is at four and a half. The biggest question for Michigan State is the quarterback room. Peyton Thorne is the projected starter, but they did bring in a Temple transfer, Anthony Rousseau. Uh, Rousseau has a lot of positive things about his game, but... Uh, he also is full of turnovers. He had 32 interceptions and in 27 games at Temple. And so I, I don't think I've done a lot of research on this. Uh, a lot of people think Russo will be the starting quarterback at Michigan State. I think Peyton Thorne wins that out personally, um, but that's just a personal opinion. The needed improvement for Michigan State is the run game last year. They had only two rushing touchdowns the entire season, Now that was only seven games, but still two rushing touchdowns? That's not going to do the trick there. All right, Dad, welcome back. Uh, Michigan State, what's your outlook with them?
0: Um, I I don't think this will be the year they start to bounce back. I think they're going to be in real trouble this year because, again, the conference is getting better in a lot of ways, um, and I think the win total you talked about probably is about right. Um, I, I, I don't see them being a factor this year. Um, again, I think they should be able to recruit better and uh, be able to turn things around. Uh, you just can't believe a Michigan State team would be at the bottom of the barrel very long, but they may be there this year.
1: Yeah, I've got them at four wins. That's under their their win total of 4.5. You, know, you look at not just the conference, but the division they're in, Penn State, Indiana, Ohio State. Uh, Michigan of course and we'll get to Rutgers next but um, just not a whole lot of good things happening for Michigan State now if Anthony Russo comes in and doesn't turn the ball over wins the starting quarterback job they could take a step up they could be bowl eligible again this year uh, but I just uh, to me looking at their schedule I don't see it happening uh past four wins that brings us to Rutgers Greg Schiano back for a second term with Rutgers his head coaching record at Rutgers is 71 and 73. Their quarterback is the grad transfer, Noah Vodrell. Uh 61.5% completion, 1,253 yards, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions all last year. Rutgers has a great wide receiver room as well. They've got a returner that's going to be worth watching, Aaron Crickshank. Uh, he is absolutely electric. Then their defense, their defense is forced turnover. Shiano is known for this, and I think it's something he's going to bring out of the team uh, and I think we might see some of it start this year. Their win totals at four, Dad. You had Rutgers way down your list on the tier system. So, what's your thoughts on Rutgers this season?
0: Well, um, you know, Rutgers, I think will compete down there with Michigan State. Um, I, you know, again, I, I just don't see them um, doing a lot. Again, they're in they're in a tough conference um, that's going to hurt them. I haven't looked at their schedule as far as their non conference games. If they play teams they can beat in that, then that's going to help their overall record. Um, but in the conference, they're going to have a hard time.
1: Biggest question I have for Rutgers is can experience turn into wins? They've got a lot of experience on the team, a lot of upperclassmen. They brought in some really good transfers along with their returning players. Uh, so if that can turn into some, some wins, then that's going to help them this season. Their needed improvement is the downfield passing game. It was non-existent last year. Uh, anything passed, I think it was seven yards, was horrendous. Uh, it was not good for them at all. So they're going to have to get better at that. I think they improve. I got them at six wins this year, uh, finishing above Michigan State. And even with Michigan, uh, I think Rutgers has a surprise season. I think that would be a surprise season for them. Then Maryland, the last team in the Big Ten East, they're coached by Mike Loxley. He's 5-12 and 12 as the Maryland head coach. Quarterback, you may have heard this name before, but Tulia Tungabailoa, uh, the junior, and, of course, Tua's brother. He played four games last year, 61.5% completions, 1,011 yards, seven touchdowns, and seven interceptions. This Maryland team is just inconsistent. There's I don't have anything really positive to say about them. Uh, the, they just, they have yet to be consistent. Their win total is at six and the Tunga Violo at quarterback is getting a lot of play, uh, from, from these win totals. But, uh, I gotta be honest with you. They got some big questions replacing players they lost. They lost some really solid players. Uh, their old linemen, two, they lost two of their own linemen. Their leading tackler, Chance Campbell's gone as well. Uh, that's gonna hurt them. They need to improve with forcing turnovers. They do not force turnovers last year and then their quarterback play has to get consistently better cuz it has not been there. I've got Maryland at 4 wins bottom of the the uh Big 10 East. Dad, any thoughts on Maryland?
0: Um no, again, I don't think they'll be really competitive this year. I think Tua's brother may be very good at quarterback. Uh the problem is he probably doesn't have quite the supporting cast that his brother did. <laughs> and, uh, so He's a little more on an island out there and um you know it, it'll make for some good um you know good interest early but I'm not sure where that'll end up.
1: All right, let's move on to the Big 10 West. We'll come back and look at a final tally here in just a minute. Wisconsin, head coach Paul Chryst, he's 56 and 19 as the Wisconsin head coach. Their quarterback is sophomore Graham Mertz. Last year before his injury, 62.6% completions. 1,238 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. They've got a ton of upperclassmen, um, and with they're healthy, they are a great team. They've got a phenomenal defense uh up there in Madison this year as well. Win total, nine and a half for Wisconsin. Give me your thoughts on Wisconsin. I
0: think Wisconsin will be very good, and everything I have read, and I would agree, is if the quarterback is back and has a good year, then – the sky's the limit for them because they're in the in the in the West, and that's going to put them in a good spot. Like I said, they have a lot of returning guys. They have a lot of talent. Um, historically, they underachieve and lose a game or so. They shouldn't lose, but if they can stay focused this time, um, they have a chance to be very competitive.
1: Yeah, they, uh, Graham Mertz is the real deal at quarterback, I think. Um, health is obviously a big factor in that. Uh, but I think with him at, at the helm, they're in good, good situation. Biggest question I have for Wisconsin is Jalen Berger, the next great Wisconsin running back. He seems to be, he's the next guy up. They've, they've produced some incredible running backs out of Wisconsin, especially in college careers. Uh there, their needed improvement is turnovers that really hurt them last year. And uh they've got to do better at protecting the football this year. Their their win totals at nine and a half. I've got them at ten wins and first place in the West uh, out there competing against Ohio State for the conference title. Next up is Iowa, an interesting team. Kirk Ferenc has been there. Forever so it seems he's 168 and 106 uh, for his record at Iowa. Their quarterback is the junior Spencer Petras. Uh, last year, not so great. 57% completion, 1,569 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. That Iowa has been talked about as one of the best teams in the Big Ten this year. A lot of high expectations for Iowa. I think those expectations go down a lot after week one. But nonetheless, everybody's on them right now. They've got a phenomenal offensive line. They've got very good running backs. And their depth on defense is just really, really good. So what are your thoughts on Iowa? Do you have the same high expectations that Iowa fans and the national media have for them?
0: Um, I, I, I've always liked Iowa. I think they'll do well. I think their coach is very good. Um, but I think they'll underachieve. I think they're going to stumble, like you said, week one. And it'll be a matter. And, and they've had a little bit of turmoil there. So I don't know if they can keep everybody uh, together or not. Um, I think they'll be good. I don't think I was a team you want to play. You have to be ready for them. Uh, but I think they're going to lose maybe at least two they shouldn't lose. Or people think they won't lose. And, um, again, they'll be a bowl team, yes. Um, but I don't think they'll, they'll challenge Wisconsin at all. And I don't think they'll be in second place in the West.
1: Yeah, last year I told everybody, hey, watch out, Indiana's coming. This year I'm telling everybody, hey, for what it's worth, Iowa's not going to be that good uh, this year. And one of the reasons for that, and it is their biggest question, is the offseason distraction. A lot of issues happen throughout the offseason with Coach Ferentz and the locker room. And the organization, and I just cannot see them being able to muddle through that and have the success that they expect to have this season. Um, needed improvement quarterback accuracy is definitely a need mid range efficiency as well for the quarterback quarterback play is crucial. And Iowa just does not have a great quarterback or maybe even a good quarterback to play this season. Their win totals at eight and a half. I have them down at six wins. That does make them bowl eligible but uh, barely, and I think that Iowa's really going to tumble this year and and not have a good season. That brings us to Northwestern. They're coached by Pat Fitzgerald. His record's 106-81 and 81 while they're at Northwestern. Their quarterback is transfer junior Ryan Holinsky out of South Carolina. Uh, he only played two games last year at South Carolina, but in 2019 he was 58% completion, 2,357 yards, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, Their win total is currently sitting at six and a half, pretty low for Northwestern. They do have a good defense and some promising running backs as well. Uh, What's your quick thoughts on Northwestern?
0: Well, I think Northwestern will finish number two in the West. Uh, Again, if the new quarterback um, can play well at all, they've got some people coming back. Uh, I think they've got some confidence. You know, it's hard to believe, you know, back in the day, you say Northwestern, you know, you thought of Vanderbilt. Well, that changed years and years ago, and I think Northwestern has changed their mindset with their players. They come into it ready to play, ready to compete, and um, I think they'll be they'll finish maybe second um, in the West there.
1: Pat Fitzgerald's a really good coach. He's done a lot of good stuff there. He's been talked about for NFL jobs now for several years as well. Everything with Northwestern this year comes down to quarterback. Biggest question is the quarterback situation. Halinski is the projected starter, but he's in a competition with Hunter Johnson, who's a former Clemson transfer. But it it seems like Helensky's going to be the guy there at Northwestern, and their needed improvement is at quarterback. They did not have good quarterback play. They've got to get better at that position to have any success. The win totals at six and a half. I've got them at seven wins, just over top of that six and a half total uh, there as well. Minnesota, coached by P.J. Fleck. He's 26 and 19 while at Minnesota. They've got a senior quarterback, Tanner Morgan, 60% completion percentage, 1,374 yards, seven touchdowns. Five interceptions last year. Uh, there's a lot of hope in Tanner Morgan. Their win total is at seven. Dad, they've got a very good offensive uh, skill players. Their offensive line, again, could be top in the nation, top ten for sure. So there's some some good things there on offense. What are your thoughts on Minnesota?
0: Well, as I studied this, a lot of people have Minnesota as their uh, underdog or their long shot in the Big Ten. Um, I don't think they'll challenge for the comfort championship. Um, but they are getting better and um I, I think they could have, you know, they'll have a good year and continue to. And anytime you can have a good year that's gonna help you with recruiting, it's gonna help everything down the line. And I think Minnesota again be very competitive week in, week out.
1: So I could be very, very wrong on this prediction. Um but I think Minnesota's going to do really bad this year. P.J. Fleck's supposed to be one of the top coaches. Tanner Morgan's supposed to be a good quarterback. They've got some really good offensive players, but their defense, they've got some issues there on defense. That's their biggest question is can the defense step up? Their needed improvement is a pass rush. They just didn't have one. Their win total at seven. I've got them at five. I don't even have them making a bowl this year unless they get allowed in at five wins. And, uh, you know, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I looked at that schedule and I just couldn't come up with more than five wins from Minnesota. Uh, so, uh, we'll see. You think they're going to, they're going to continue to improve and get better. I see them going the wrong direction, at least this year. That brings us to Purdue, uh, the other Indiana school, uh, Jeff Brom, the head coach. He's 19 and 25 while at Purdue. They have a junior quarterback in J- Jack Plummer. Uh, he played three games. Last year and 71% completion, 938 yards, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. But he's not the only quarterback that they're gonna play. As a matter of fact, they got the senior Aiden O'Connell. He also played three games last year, 64.7% completion, 916 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. In most cases, when you say if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Uh produce, they're creative. And I think they're going to be able to use this to some degree. Their win total is at five. They've got a very exciting offense, two quarterbacks that are are actually decent, and they've got a brand-new defensive coordinator to help fix some problems over there. Uh, Dad, from your tier system, you didn't seem too high on Purdue, but what's your thoughts on them for this season?
0: Um, Again, I, I think Purdue is going to go in the wrong direction. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to compete because, again, other people were... I, I think some of the other teams are going to get better. Um, I think Purdue will be the team that, that you know they will beat. There'll be some close games with some of the bottom teams, and I think they'll have trouble.
1: All right, so uh, my biggest question for Purdue is, can they get the run game more involved? They get very pass-heavy, uh, which gets them in some trouble. Now, they are creative, they are electric, uh, but They've got to get some balance to their offense. The needed improvement is on defense, and bringing in that new defensive coordinator should make a large impact on them. Uh, he has a history of success on defense. So uh, the win total at five, I actually have Purdue over that. I've got them at seven wins this year. To me, they'll be a surprise team that uh, is going to be close in some other games, maybe be a one score away from a nine-win team. Uh, but nonetheless, I've got them at seven wins this year. Nebraska comes in next Scott Frost, the head coach. He's 12 and 20 while at Nebraska. They've got a senior quarterback, Adrian Martinez. He played seven games last year, 71.5% completion rate, 1,055 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. There's no controversy this year at quarterback. Last year there was trying to figure out who was going to be the quarterback. This year it's clear it's Adrian Martinez. They've got a very good run game. They were second in the Big Ten last year, rushing the football, which is amazing considering how bad they've been. And they've actually got a pretty solid DS, at least when it comes to talent. Uh, Nebraska's win total is at six, Dad. I know they're they're definitely not in the glory days at Nebraska anymore, but let's not talk about the glory days. Let's talk about this year and what you think Nebraska will be this year.
0: Well, I, I think they'll be improved. They've either got to be or they'll be getting a new coach uh from there but again um Nebraska's a team that's got to have a good football team. I mean that's that's everything there in that state and um I from what I've read I think there's potential they they could do better than they've done and be a surprise um and jump up at least a little bit so we'll see.
1: So you read the one optimistic Nebraska fan apparently. Uh Scott Frost has had no success at Nebraska. That's my biggest question. Can Scott Frost win at Nebraska? I honestly don't think so. Uh, they have a lot of needs, but one of their improvements is, well, two of their improvements actually is the pass rush and the pass offense. Uh, they've got to get some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They leave their DBs out to dry too often. And then when it comes to the passing of the football, they have a very good run game. But you're going to have to be able to throw the football in today's, today's football world. And uh, Nebraska has yet to show they can do that consistently at the very least. Their win total is at six. I've got them under it. I've got them at four this year uh, for Nebraska, and I feel pretty confident in that four win uh, total there as well. All right, that brings us to what I have at the bottom of the Big Ten West is Illinois. They do bring in Brett Bielema. It'll be his first year there at Illinois. He's got a senior quarterback in Brandon Peters, uh, worst last year in completion percentage, he had 48% completion, 429 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. That was in five games that he played. Their win totals at three and a half. And uh, my one note for Illinois is they always help the opposing quarterbacks get on track. Uh, if you look through last year's stats, anytime a quarterback was struggling, when they played Illinois, next thing you know, they had four touchdowns. Uh, They had 350 yards and no interceptions, and it got them back on track for the rest of the season. As I was studying through these teams, at least four teams, that was the notes. This quarterback struggled here, but he came alive against Illinois, and then he finished out the season strong. Uh, so that's kind of where they are at this moment. Is Bilama a good coach? Fine, I'll give you that. He's, he's an okay coach. Uh, but how good are they going to be? I have no idea. So you tell me, Dad, your thoughts on Illinois this coming season.
0: Well, again, I I think the new coach will make all the difference. I think part of us attitude, I think, I don't know, but they have the ability that some of the other teams have. Um, But I'm not so sure they don't have Big Ten talent uh, in some ways there. I think they're a team that, you know, I don't think they'll be the team that everybody raises their stats against this year. And, um, again, I, I think you'll find one big upset, at least one that, you know, wow, I can't believe Illinois beat them and that'll help propel them in the years, uh, to come. Um, they won't do super well, probably this year. Um, I did read somebody that had Nebraska and Illinois, both in a bowl game. Now I'm not sure about that, <laughs> but, um, we'll just see how it goes, um, I, I think you're really dis, you're you're discounting, you know, the new coach um, as not being a big a deal as it is. And um, like said, you know, you may be right about some of these, but I think you've got Minnesota and Purdue flip flopped, and that's just the way it is.
1: Well, you know, the thing with college football is you got to have time to recruit and bring in guys that can make differences. And although the transfer portal changes that to some degree, I don't see how Brett Bielema comes in in one year like without a full cycle of everything. He's not going to be able to improve the team much this year, maybe in the the days to come, possibly. But Lovey Smith was one of the most highly touted defensive coaches out there, and the defense was horrendous at Illinois. So can Bilama change that? That's my biggest question is how long will the rebuild take? Cause he's building from the ground up at Illinois right now. And how long will that take? Transfer portal can help speed that process up, but he's going to have to, he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Needed improvement, uh, defense, offense, and special teams. Every single facet of Illinois needs to improve from last year. And it's just, I think really hard to do an overnight uh rebuild there in college football especially in a conference like the Big 10. And so I've got Illinois at 3 wins and you said you read someone had Nebraska and Illinois in a bowl game and friends that's why you shouldn't smoke weed. Uh it'll throw you off uh big time. So uh so just be careful from those things there. All right, so we've went through every team in the Big 10. I've given you my win totals. Dad, give me your breakdown. Uh the top let's do the top 4 teams in each division.
0: Um, again, I think in the East, it'll be, you know, Ohio state, um, Indiana, Penn state's kind of a toss up Michigan, I think will be fourth, but a distant fourth, um, in the West, you got Wisconsin, Northwestern, Iowa, and Minnesota.
1: All right. So you've got Wisconsin, Ohio state and the, the big 10 championship and Ohio state, I'm assuming winning the big 10. Yes. Okay. So we're pretty pretty close on all that. Uh in the east, I've got it Ohio State, Indiana, uh Penn State, and Rutgers and Michigan tied right there uh, for fourth place. In the west, I've got Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern and Purdue tied after that, and then Iowa coming in fourth uh back there. I think it probably shakes out the same way. Wisconsin listen unless health just goes takes a bad turn for Wisconsin they're going to be really good this year they're going to compete with Ohio State and if for some reason J uh, CJ Stroud is not the quarterback that everyone thinks he's going to be at Ohio State then you've got teams like Indiana that can push for the division and Wisconsin that can push for the conference but as it sits right now Ohio State is without a doubt the team to beat in the big 10 that is our Big Ten college football preview for this coming season. Feel free to share your opinions uh, on Twitter, at Sports Stove, on the comment section of YouTube, the Sports Stove Podcast, or anywhere else you find us at. Uh, Tune in, continue to uh, subscribe, uh, rate, review, share, all those sorts of good things, the Sports Stove Podcast. Uh, we're going to continue it. Our next conference that we're looking at will be the ACC And, uh, we've, we've not yet been able to, to nail down a coach from the ACC, but we're still working on some guests, uh, there as well. Uh, I want to say thank you to Clemson for politely telling us no for Dabo Sweeney. And then, uh, Virginia, um, you know, I got some words for you in our podcast as, uh, not so politely rejecting our request for an interview. With Bronco Mendenhall but you'll have to come back and join us for the ACC college football preview that'll be next Tuesday we should have another episode in between those more than likely on Friday night live uh, we'll be on here talking about just all general sports topics like we normally do as well, we want to thank Yeti Coolers and Skull Candy for helping and sponsoring the program. Those links for both of them are available for you to click on in the YouTube description and in the podcast notes. If you'll click on those links and go through there, they'll know that we sent you. And uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about them much today, but they are uh, uh, wonderful partners with us here at the Sports Stove Podcast. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast, The Sports Stove podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.